Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Welcome back to the Female Founders Network podcast. Today, we're speaking with Alicia Butler-Pierre, the founder and CEO of Equilibria, which specializes in operations and increasing bandwidth for fast-growing organizations. In this episode, Alicia discusses her perspective on how to create a successful business from an operations perspective, and also how you can implement efficiencies for your business right now. She's also the author of the two-times Amazon bestseller, Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Alicia. How are you today? I am doing well, Nat. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We, we are, are so excited to yes. have you. Um, so, I mean, honestly, overjoyed because it seems that you can do everything that we maybe can do. Um, <laughs> so I am I am interested in learning a lot here. Yeah, Nat and I have very similar brains in the sense that we're quite creative mm. and um, you are an expert of operations, mm. which is like my foe in business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can still be friends, Sylvie. <laughs> no, I need you as my friend. That's the thing. She's like, uh, please, can we please be friends? Um, so so you, where are you calling in from? I am in Atlanta, Georgia, in beautiful. the U.S. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love hot Atlanta. Um, okay. So I want to uh, just hear all about you. So tell us how you became the woman that you are and how you started oh. your business. Uh, how I became the woman that I am. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to give a Cliff Notes version of that. So... Believe it or not, my background is, well, this may not be difficult for you all to believe, but my background is actually in chemical engineering. Wow. Wow. But what's funny is that I actually started off very much a creative person. As Mm -hmm. a child, I was into the arts and humanities. I thought I was going to be a ballerina. Mm -hmm. I also thought at one point that I would be an interior decorator. Mm -hmm. And my final career choice before I went to university was journalism. And I worked on my high school's newspaper and I hated it. Okay. (laughs) I hated it. Um, This this idea of what it takes to get a quote unquote good story and, and, you know, the more salacious, the better. I I just, I didn't like it. Yeah. And I was always, oddly enough, I was also very good in chemistry. And my chemistry teacher, as I started applying to different colleges and universities in my last year of high school, she encouraged me to not just pursue a career in chemistry, but to pursue a career as a chemical engineer. And I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, that's that's literally how it happened. I, I took her advice. She said, listen, if you want to finish school making really good money without having to get an advanced degree, go the engineering route. So that's what I did. Wow. And I started working as an engineer 
I'm sorry. That's it's like smart advice, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but you know, you know, Ned and Sylvie, I'll tell you one thing that I have. If I could, if I could have a do-over in mm-hmm. life, it mm-hmm. would be to trust my own instinct and passions. Yeah. When yeah. everyone else is telling me that I should be doing something different, just because you're good at it doesn't necessarily mean that you will enjoy it. Yeah. Oh my god, sense. that is such a good sound. Trust your instinct and passions. <laughs> yeah. Regardless yes, of what others yes. are telling you, you should do. That is so. That's yes. such sound advice. Mm-hmm. Because I have to tell you, ladies, just like I didn't like journalism <laughs> once I worked on the school newspaper, yeah. I did not like working as an engineer. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I think it was because I wanted to do the design part. I wanted to yeah. build something from scratch. But once I started working, things had already been built. It was just a matter of maintaining it, which isn't nearly as fun. And so I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my career in a chemical plant or an oil refinery. So I went back to school. I, I went back to business school. And by the time I finished business school, I was still working full time. I, the entrepreneurial bug bit me. I, I knew I wanted to own my own business, but I didn't know what that business would be. Mm-hmm. And as fate would have it. I was living in New Orleans. I'm from Louisiana originally. Uh, and I was living in New Orleans at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just had this feeling, Nat and Sylvie, that I had to get out of there and get out as quickly as possible. Couldn't explain it. But, out of but New this Orleans. Was one time I, out of New Orleans. Okay. This was one time when I did listen to my instinct. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't shake that feeling. And I sold my house. I had a very, I had a very settled good life in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people looked at me like, what are you doing? You've quit your job abruptly. Mm-hmm. You've put your house up on the market to sell. What are you doing? And you're going to a city where you don't even know anyone? Have you <laughs> lost your mind? But I couldn't shake the feeling. I sold my house. I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, where I, I knew one person at the time. Mm. And Six months later, Hurricane Katrina happened in wow. New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, wow. So that was in 2005. <gasps> and when I when I relocated, I didn't have a job lined up, which probably wasn't the smartest move. But considering <laughs> that there was a hurricane, yeah. it, was, it, it still ended up being a good move. But just to f- kind of fast forward through this story... I I really thought, okay, I have this background in engineering. I have this newly minted master's in business administration. Oh, these companies, they're going to be knocking down my door to hire me, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen. There are lots of other really talented, really smart people out here in the world, and we're all competing for the same jobs. That's true. And so I started reading these these just different books and magazine articles. And sometimes it might be a documentary that I might watch, but everything I seemed to be consuming in in terms of content around that time was, was communicating this message that we are all blessed with natural skills, talents, and abilities. Hmm. And through our process of education from the time we're, we're very small children up into becoming young adults, we are we're taught to do something outside of what naturally brings us joy and what we are naturally gifted at doing. 
And that really resonated with me. And I thought, well, what am I really good at? What brings me joy? What is it that I could do? And I could do it all day, all night long, and it would not bother me. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, it's organizing, yeah. organizing things. Yeah, of course. And so that's when I started my company. <laughs> so it actually started as a professional organizing company and eventually morphed into what it is today. Mm. But at the at the at the the core, the core has always remained the same and that is structure and organization for entrepreneurs and other small business owners. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That was a very long answer, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's so good. I mean, That's I'm, incredible. Why did you want to go to Atlanta? What was it about Atlanta that was pulling you there? It's, a, it's an amazing city. I yeah. have, you know what? I have, I, I honestly don't know. So my choice came down, uh, it was either New York mm-hmm. or Atlanta. And the, the university where I, where I got my business degree... Uh, Tulane University, they have a very large alumni network in New York. So getting a job in New York City would not have been an issue at Mm -hmm. all. But I had always gone to New York for fun Mm -hmm. to visit, you know, Mm -hmm. great place to visit, but very different when you're going to be working there and living there. Yeah. And that's, you know, I I started visiting there uh, and the reality of giving up the lifestyle that I was accustomed to where I where I was living in New Orleans, I would it would be a complete culture shock to go to New York, you know, working mm. 60 plus hours a week and still not even being able to afford a decent place to live in in Manhattan. I, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. So no. I said, OK, well, I'll, I'll go to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I picked Atlanta. I really wish I could tell you there was <laughs> something that stood out. But um, but honestly, there wasn't. I think I just wanted something different. And yeah. I just knew that I had to get away from New Orleans. Yeah. Well, Atlanta is a, a major city. I mean, it's such a, yes. a multicultural, mm-hmm. like, amazing city. And it's mm-hmm. a major hub for a lot of the airline. Like, it's a good place to be. Yeah. I would say it definitely rivals New York City and culture and excitement. And it's a totally different vibe. It's got this beautiful Southern vibe. Mm. Um, so oh, if you're nice. going to go start a business and, and make it somewhere, it's definitely, Atlanta's definitely um, a good choice, I think. Yeah. Cool. It's an I exciting so choice. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice. Actually, we're going to hook you up with um, another um, professional we know there so that the two of you can network. Nikita Pope, if you've never met her, she did a branding course with us, and she's incredible as well, and she's in the Atlanta area. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, Thank she's awesome. you. Yeah. So so you start your business, and it, turn, it starts mm-hmm. out as an organizational company. How did you get your first yes. clients, and what were the problems that you were seeing at first? Yes. Tell us. Honest, that's a great question. My first clients, I actually did old school, old fashioned bartering mm-hmm. because I didn't know anybody and they didn't know me. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember going to an office supply store. I purchased what you know the business card templates where you can create your own business cards and you print them out on your own desktop mm-hmm. printer. Mm-hmm. I just made up some business cards, had a you know, at that point, I think I had officially registered my company's name, you know, as a business, but I had no clients. And I started attending different networking events Mm -hmm. for, for business professionals. And I would just hand out my card Mm -hmm. and I started bartering and I would, I would 
basically say, okay, I will come in and organize this one particular room in your house in exchange for a solid testimonial mm-hmm. and a recommendation and possibly an introduction to someone else that you may know that you also believe could benefit from this service. Mm-hmm. And that worked out really well. That's how I started to kind of gain some traction in, wow. the, in the very beginning. So you just said un- unpaid, but you knew the value of getting those testimonials and having Correct. people. Correct. I love these scrappy yes. stories. This yeah. is so good. I, lo- I can just like <laughs> picture you going to Staples and you're like, all right, this I'm going to put the, and you've got to run them through the printer like six times to get <laughs> right. them to line up right. <laughs> You know, I mean, people don't understand. <laughs> the hustle is real. <laughs> the hustle is real. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment of doubt where you felt like, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. Did I make the right decision? Why am I in the city? Mm. What am I doing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I still I still have those moments, to be honest with you. Really? Mm-hmm. Because when you have people around you who don't get it, who don't see your vision Mm -hmm. is very hard to turn that off. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult, especially when these are people that are your friends and your family members, people that, that you love and people that you think love, you know, love you. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very difficult to turn that off. And sometimes I'll be honest with both of you, a coping mechanism, which, which isn't a good thing to do is I, I just would, I would hold back or or with I would withhold information. Yeah. Purposely yeah. a lot of times just because I didn't want to hear like, well, you need to just go and get a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> regular, you know, nine to five. I don't want to hear that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they're well so, meaning, you know, lot, but it's like ex- yeah. exactly. That's exactly it. They are well intentioned and, and they're they're fearful for you. But but I always you know, I have to tell my mom this even to this day, like your fear does not serve me. Yeah. I'm just so worried that this isn't going to work out. Or, and what if this happens? And what if it's like, oh, my gosh. So now if if she ever asks me, well, how's this? Great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. The answer is always you know, the same. You know what? I, I don't deviate. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little a hot tip. When my okay. mom does this, I, I, I'm like, mom, I'm a 37-year-old grown woman. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I have lived in yes. multiple cities and multiple countries, started businesses and run a global team. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> you know, like yes, sometimes they just yes. have to be reminded because, you know, the people who've watched you grow up, they just want to look out for you. Yeah. And sometimes right. I think they forget everything that we've done, you know. Mm. Yes. Yeah. The worst, though, is if you then have some people who don't support you because there's a jealousy. Uh, And that's something I think Mm. a lot of entrepreneurs can experience as well. Did did you ever feel like you had that where people were kind of... Oh, there's always haters. Mm. Yeah. There are always haters. Absolutely. All day, every day. Yeah. (laughs) Again, you just, you you tune them out. You know, being an entrepreneur, you really, you have to develop this certain level of of madness and insanity in a way. Mm -hmm. Because think about it. Everybody is telling you what you can't do. Everyone around you is telling you what can and cannot work or what won't work. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. But yet you keep going anyway. Or you have people who are, you know, they they make the snide comments or or they they try to sabotage things for you. But you keep going. So you (laughs) you have to be a little bit, you know, somewhat a little bit insane, right? Right. To, To keep 
to keep going in spite of all of those things mm. happening around you. But you've had your company for over 15 years now, so you, you were resilient and it did work out. So how, how has it changed in that time? Oh my gosh, it has changed so much. Again, the core mission is still the same, mm. but I my company is no longer known as a professional organizing company. It's now an operations management company. Mm -hmm. And we specialize not in professional organizing, but in business infrastructure. And that's largely based on the advice of a consultant that I worked with many, many years ago. And mm -hmm. she said, you know, you really need to graduate from this professional organizing language because you aren't like the people that we see on those TV shows where they are going in and organizing a person's basement or yeah. a person's closet. You're actually in home offices and you're putting in these systems and these processes to make sure that things don't become disorganized all over again. Right. And she said, that's that's really like business infrastructure. Hmm. And so that that just stuck. And that's what that's how the company has been rebranded over the years. And it is what it is today, largely from listening to what people tell you they actually want. Yeah. And not what, what you think they need. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about that. So, what, so how do people who don't know how to do their operations properly, how do they know what they want? Or are they, are they kind of, can they see a goal, but they just don't know how to get there for their business? <laughs> yeah. Or well, are they just know, a mess and they come to you like, <laughs> please, well, you know, Sylvie, it, 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 it's, it's interesting because I'll first say this business infrastructure in and of itself, just that term mm -hmm. is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing because there aren't a lot of people who talk about business infrastructure in mm -hmm. the world, actually. Mm. A curse in the sense that there aren't a lot of people who talk about it. So what happens yeah. is these as, as business owners, we experience these growing pains and we have no idea how to articulate it. Mm -hmm. What do we, how do we go online and search for help for something that we can't quite put our, you know, we can't put a, a word to it yeah. or a phrase or a term. And that has been the number one challenge in, in marketing my company's services over these past 15 years. Mm -hmm. But most people, they don't even know what operations, what that even means or what that looks like for their companies. Mm -hmm. So that's that's another part of the, the challenge. And the way that I finally figured out to start really explaining it to people is if we think of marketing versus operations, marketing is all of the activities that you're doing that are seen by your, your potential customer. Mm -hmm. Operations is what they experience. It's the behind mm. the scenes stuff. It's, it's the unseen. Gotcha. It's not what your customers see, but it's what they experience. I mean, mm -hmm. we've, we all know, we've all had the experience of going to, you know, patronizing a certain business. And then all of a sudden it just isn't what it used to be. And you don't know why. You just know that you no longer have the experience, that the, the positive experience mm -hmm. that you were accustomed to having. But, well, there's something going on in that back office. There's something going on behind the scenes in their right. operations that you aren't privy of, but you know that something has changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That's so true. So yeah. it's kind of like if you buy from an online store and something takes longer to deliver and it's not coming, like you don't have the shipping details and everything like that. Yes. You're disappointed because you yes. don't know when to expect it. That's all part of the operation side of the business where there's not like synergy there. Is that right? Absolutely. That's exactly right. That's right. exactly right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what what are small businesses, say an e-commerce business or something like that, what are they mainly getting wrong in their operations that you've seen? <laughs> there's there's several things, but I, I'll say this. The number one thing that I see is not documenting processes. Mm-hmm. You have the no, the knowledge resonates or resides in your head. Mm-hmm. And as you start growing, let's say, uh, to, to use your example, Sylvie, you have an e-commerce business. Let's say you are, well, one of the, the uh, previous episodes, uh, the, the gifting business that mm-hmm. the, the two best friends have. So let's say all of a sudden, because of, you know, they, they've appeared on the Female Founders Network podcast, now all of a sudden they have a surge in mm-hmm. demand. Mm-hmm. Can you handle that? Right. So that automatically means you have to hire more people. Right. Well, when you hire those people, how are they going to know what to do? Right. How are they going to know what the expectations are? What does a quality finished product look like? If you don't have those things documented, and and I want to be clear about this, too. I think so many of us, we still have the perceptions of what it means to have a process is, oh, my gosh, I have to sit down and type out step by step how to do everything. (laughs) But you could use something, you can use something, honestly, as simple as your smartphone Uh and capture a video. Mm -hmm. Just just get the information out of your head and Mm -hmm. onto quote unquote paper Mm -hmm. so that that information can be shared with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's basically like uh, yeah, was... creating an instruction manual for every aspect of your business mm-hmm. so that yes. anyone could dive say you're ill one day, you know that someone could watch the video or read the manual and be able to do it exactly the way that you would. Exactly. So Ooh. like, you know, our friends with the gifting business again, if if for whatever reason, if, if one or both of them, they may be out on vacation. Mm-hmm. Does that mean orders are no longer... F- filled during that timeout? No, they, they have to keep it going. So what does it look like? How do you package the product? How do you ship the product? How do you communicate with the customer about their, their order? All of those things, if mm-hmm. they're documented, then they can leave, take their vacation and, and rest easy with the knowledge that everything is documented and that people know what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many instances, right? Like I'm just thinking about, um, you know, a marketing team, how a marketing team works just because I run the, the brand marketing team at Invoice to Go. And there's so many little pieces that as you're growing, you know, kind of get overlooked because you're going so fast when you're running a startup. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, our social media messages, right? Like how do we store our graphics and then how do we communicate the naming conventions and all of that stuff out to new designers mm-hmm. as they come onto the team so that anyone at any time can go and, and grab something out of the files and repost it or use it as a guide for a new graphic. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's simple stuff like that that is skipped yes. or missed because you're running so fast trying to grow your business, right? So it's it's so yes. valuable to have a consultant like this. Yes, and it's tedious work. 
Mm-hmm. Like what everything you just said, Nat, was is is a a very minute detail, mm-hmm. and most. I want to say most. A lot of business owners are very big picture thinkers. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get bogged down in the details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the details are boring, right? Yeah. It's not sexy. Yeah. So <laughs> well, and team leads <laughs> too. You it. know, it's not just business owners or entrepreneurs. It's like the, if you're a visionary thinker, the type of person who's going to lead any sort of team on, in any sort of business, you're thinking about okay, how can we get you know five hundred thousand more impressions this month with potential customers? How how can we and you're coming up with these strategies yeah. and then you know these other things are falling through the cracks and these are the types of things that can really yeah. affect your employees or your consultants because they're like well I'm lost I don't know how to do my my task mm. you know because I don't have any guides and I don't have any <laughs> processes or folder naming conventions or whatever that little thing is yeah um, I'm laughing because this is so me Alicia like <laughs> You saying like a big picture thinking, like from one of my brands, um, I had to like design like the collection and done the marketing and all the campaigns. It's so exciting, and then it came down to adding all the shipping weights for every item mm. into the back end of Shopify, Ooh. so that the ship the How shipping. How long did price, you avoid it? Oh gosh, it's still not done. <laughs> <laughs> we launch tomorrow. And I really, I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> it makes me shudder. But you can hire a consultant. See, and that is the thing. I know. I'm like, Alicia. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could we both hire you? Right come now? help me. <laughs> so that's your USP, then, isn't it? It's the fact that you come in and you do this for the business owners. So you're like a, a, yes. a shining light that comes along and, and helps to actually organize everything and, and create the structure and the operations so that it can all run smoothly and then is how, how long are you engaged for like do you just go and do the setup are you there long term what's your typical relationship it really like? it really depends sometimes most most people don't have the stomach for something long term and by long term I mean let's say 12 months you know an entire year or longer Mm -hmm. so I always try to break projects up into 30 to 60 day increments Mm -hmm. okay so they're of everything that you may want to have done Mm -hmm. what's the top priority Mm -hmm. and how can we accomplish that within one to two months okay and that's digestible because we're all, everybody is so busy and you can't just stop everything that you're doing and de- and dedicate your time exclusively to working on your company's operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you mentioned, Nat, when you are a leader of any sort, whether you're a team lead, you are the, you know, in the C-suite, it doesn't matter. We're all busy and we can't, unless you are specifically in operations and that's what your job is but but a lot of leaders aren't don't, don't fall under the the operations umbrella but mm. they still want to have these things done so i just try to be very cognizant of that and mindful and i have all kinds of tips and tricks and visual aids and and little fun games that i've i've developed over the past 15 years to to quickly get information that I need from the people that I'm working with Mm -hmm. so that they can get those results as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And you wrote a book. 
behind the facade how to structure I company did. operations for sustainable success. Oh, and if she wasn't busy enough, she's written a book. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about that. I feel so unaccomplished right now. No. I need to get on it. <laughs> what what Honestly, was the reason behind, yeah, what, why did you write this? Was Did you see a need for there to be kind of a manual for writing a manual for your business? Honestly, it, it came it came as the result of a recommendation from a digital marketing coach that I hired. And I told him, I said, I'm I'm at a point where I feel as though the consulting aspect of my company is kind of stale. And I I need a way to get information out to the masses. Mm-hmm. Consulting is one-on-one. I needed something that was going to allow me to reach many people at one time. Mm -hmm. And he, very first suggestion he had, you have to write a book. And I said, well, I can't write a book. (laughs) But it's so funny. So remember how I talked about journalism? Yeah. (laughs) When I became an engineer, when I became an engineer, the writing that you do is technical writing. So it's very precise language. Yeah. There's no storytelling. Right. You know, that that creative side of you can can be diminished in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to put that journalist that 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 old 16-year-old self <laughs> I had to put that hat back on and say, "Okay, if I do this, I'm going to write them as individual short stories." And they're going to be based, loosely based, off of people that I've actually worked with. And it's so funny because whenever people read the book, they almost always come back and, and did you write this about me? Because this, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, how do you know? And it's like, well, it's based off of, up to that point, I had been in, in business for 13 years. So yeah. it was based on 13 years of, of working with so many different types of uh, people across different industries. Yeah. But the challenges that we all face as we have this issue of more business than we can handle, those challenges were almost always universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether we're talking about a, a not nonprofit organization, a for-profit organization, a very, very small microenterprise, or a company that has maybe 200 employees. Mm-hmm. There are certain issues that they all have that are in common as they have to contend with the fact that they've done such a great job with their marketing. Mm. Nat, I know you you can appreciate this especially. <laughs> You've done such a great job with your marketing campaign that yeah. you now have a different type of problem. You now have more business or more customers that you can handle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Correct. Because your business can still fail. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you talk about this concept of increasing bandwidth. What mm-hmm. what do you mean by that and how does how do operations enable you to increase that bandwidth? So if we if we focus on the the situation where there's again this fast growth problem where supply can't meet demand. You know what? A a perfect example is, let's think about the toilet tissue companies uh, (laughs) as a a result of the pandemic. You know, when everyone around the world first started, you know, our individual countries were were starting to shut down and people were freaking out. And and it was difficult to find 
protective, personal protective equipment. It was difficult to find toilet tissue, paper towels. It was difficult to find hand sanitizer. Yeah. So all of those companies, just think about that. They all had, they were all operating. Let's, let's just say they were all operating at 100% capacity. Right. And what that means is they were able to meet the demand for their product. Yeah. So if we had to think of this, capacity as as an equation is your actual output divided by your potential output. Okay. So let's say, for example, if we are talking about an e-commerce business. Yeah. And this e-commerce business makes custom wedding invitations. Mm -hmm. I actually have a friend who has a business like this. (laughs) So let's just say that her, her actual output when she first starts her business might be the fact that she can work with 10, she can create, work with 10 clients every month. Mm -hmm. And the potential output is, that's that's roughly about the number of people that actively want to purchase her wedding invitations. So it's a, it's a perfect match. Mm -hmm. The The actual output matches the potential output. So that's 10 divided by 10 times 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. But let's say if she starts to work with Nat and Sylvie and, you know, she gets booked on these television shows, her product is featured on Amazon mm-hmm. and she's getting all of this press mm-hmm. about her wedding invitations. Her actual output stays the same. She she herself can only handle mm-hmm. 10 clients at a time each month. Yeah. But now the number of people that say they they are waiting and are actually want her product, let's say that increases to 50. So now you have 10 divided by 50 that your your capacity has decreased significantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the way you increase it could be a combination of what and this is what I refer to as business infrastructure which is taking a look at your people mm-hmm. your processes and your tools and your technologies it could be looking at one of those things it could be a combination of all three mm-hmm. it could be that she needs a better invoicing system or process mm-hmm. that's where invoice to go could come into play it could be and that would be integrated as part of her process mm-hmm. it could also mean that she needs to hire more help it could mean that she needs to upgrade her equipment so that she could increase her own personal output. Right. But eventually she is going to need to hire more people. Right. And then as far as, well, I think we covered, okay, so yes, we talked about the people, the processes, and the the tools and the technology. So that's that's what I mean when I say, or when I talk about increasing your bandwidth, it's another word for your capacity, your yeah. company's nice. capacity. Oh my gosh. Awesome. This is so cool. (laughs) Um, We're running toward the end here, but I wanted to ask you one more question that I really think that our listeners could could benefit from. Um, So we have a ton of people that listen to the podcast that run service-based businesses. So maybe they are, they have therapy businesses or they're life coaches or you know, um, they were fitness instructors before uh, the pandemic or, you know, whatever it was. Um, when it comes to you have this really great blog on your site um, about converting in-person operations to remote operations. So for people oh, who yes. are transitioning 
Um, or maybe thinking about transitioning in the long term. Maybe they're like, okay, well, now I know remote pl- employees can work because I've been forced to do it or remote collaborators, whatever. Um, so I want to transition. What is the number one operations problem you see or a couple problems that you see? And then how do you fix or coach people through it? The number one operations problem as it relates to remote working, remote services. Remote working. Yeah. Upgrading their technologies. Really? Or I should say the the technology adoption. So here's here's what happened. I mean, it happened with me, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Last year in 2020, I realized just how lacking my company's technology stack actually was. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I had technology in place, but a lot of it didn't integrate. Mm -hmm. So it was okay to do that, you know, to to maybe do some minor double entry in one system and then, you know, and then enter it into another type of system. But when your volume starts to substantially increase because now everything has to be done remotely. Uh Uh-huh. You have to contend with that. So all of a sudden, you now have to take a look at upgrading your CRM. And when I say upgrade, it could be that you have technically the quote unquote right technology, digital technologies in place, Mm -hmm. but you just may need to upgrade each of those from one plan, let's say a a basic plan to a business or a pro plan. Uh I had to we had to upgrade Dropbox. We had to upgrade our CRM, our HubSpot account. We had to upgrade we had to actually come up with a, a new knowledge base because everything that we were doing, and this this would really be helpful to your listeners that have service-based businesses. Mm-hmm. When you think about your instructions manual, I think, Sylvia, as you referred to it earlier, yeah, you have to think in terms of the digital technology that you can leverage to store that kind of information. Mm-hmm. That would be called a knowledge base or your own, your company's internal wiki. Yeah. yeah. So we, oh my gosh, we spent a good nine months, and I'm not kidding, we spent nine months trying to figure out the best one for our company's operations. First, we thought, oh, well, maybe it's Dropbox for business. Mm-hmm. No, nope, that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's Google Drive. Maybe that's what we need to do. Nope, that didn't work out either. We landed on a tool called Notion. Mm-hmm. So this is a tidbit for your listeners notion.so it is the best thing ever <laughs> what so does it do? Nat, i think <laughs> it, it's a it's a knowledge base you literally huh. so now i have a place it it in many ways it has replaced five different technologies wow. because they can go there for all of this so you were talking about images how do you store your images mm-hmm. Notion does has unlimited storage capacity. There is a per file size limit, but I would imagine you might be able to upload most of your images. I guess it depends on, you know, exactly how large those files are. But I'm just giving you an example here. Mm-hmm. I'll share with you how, how we're using it. I hired two, two more people just last month. Mm-hmm. Part of their onboarding, it was so easy to be able to get on a Zoom call which also had to be upgraded, by the way, (laughs) had been using Zoom, but we had to upgrade Zoom. So we were able to get onto a Zoom call because they're in the Philippines. Yeah. And 
we were able to get on Zoom. I could share my screen. I showed them where everything is in Notion. Yeah. So one person is my publicist. She literally has it. It looks like a website. It, it almost looks like you're building your own, your company's internal website. Mm. So on there, she has all of my headshots. She has a sample list of questions to ask me for an interview. She can, we actually have the process typed out. There's also a flow chart of that process that she can take a look at. There are links to all of the, to all of the, the different websites that she can go to to find out if people ever ask her, well, where can I find out more information about this as it relates to, you know, possibly interviewing Alicia on my show? She has everything she needs right there. Mm -hmm. It significantly streamlined the onboarding process Hmm. just by having that one repository for all of the information. Because before then, everything was kept in, a combination of SharePoint, yeah. Dropbox, Google, Google Slides. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And yeah. I'll tell you another tool that is invaluable, in my opinion, is Slack. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so for those who are listening, get Slack into your life because you're able to or, you're able to organize all of your communications into different threads or different channels, excuse me, Uh is so much better than email because what was happening with me, I'm sure this happened to you all also, all of a sudden my inbox, my inbox became a cold, dark, and scary place last year. It it really did. (laughs) I thought, you know, I was losing, I was was missing, I was slow to respond, which was so unlike me. And I found it very, I just found it so difficult to keep up with emails. Yeah. And, and so now that we were forcing everyone to use Slack, it's so much better because, because I'm, we're all far more responsive to each other now. Yeah. And Slack's so good as well because it integrates with so many other kind of task management like Asana or even like G Drive. You can really easily share stuff. I I think that is such a good tip is the switch to Slack and then actually using it to its full potential. Because sometimes you get Mm -hmm. these tools and you don't really adopt them properly. And then it's kind of a waste of time even bothering because you're not using it to its full full Mm. capacity yeah yeah Mm. that's a great point sylvie um because that's that was we were guilty of that as well we we had these all of these integration capabilities that just had never been activated yeah between certain technologies yeah absolutely well this has been incredible um i want to hire you right now to be honest with you (laughs) Um, just you know honestly to get my get some stuff on my team sorted but also just my personal life um (laughs) sounds like you're on top of it (laughs) Uh, if you could sort out my um like baby maternity leave plan and all that stuff too while you're at it that'd be amazing Um, alicia if someone wants to work with you where, where do they find you and where can they buy your book yes the best place to go is my personal website because it serves as a hub for everything that I do. Okay. So that is aliciabutlerpierre.com. So that's A-L-I-C-I-A Butler, P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And from there, you'll see how you can purchase the book. You'll you, I, I also have a podcast, so if, if people want 
you know, more operational tips on a weekly basis, please come come join us on, on that podcast as well. And you can also see how you can get to my my company's website from that that, that website as well. Perfect. Beautiful. And what's your podcast called in case people are searching for you on Spotify or, or um, oh, iTunes? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. It's it's called the <laughs> Business Infrastructure Podcast. And, Beautiful. And the subtitle, I think, you, I think you, you'll both get a kick out of this. The subtitle is Curing Back Office Blues. Oh, so, <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. I love that tagline. There's some really so awesome good. interviews on the Business Infrastructure po- Podcast with different founders. So I think it's definitely worth a listen. And Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today. We've, we've really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, yeah, stay in touch. You We're so stalking much. slash connecting with you on every channel. <laughs> so please do stay in touch. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much. Chat soon. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, Listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.